Blog Talk Radio. everybody, welcome to the our big show, and this is Are You Fan Jerry, and in full edition of a double back-to-back win for Rutgers Scarlet Knights. That was the sound of the call for the last play of the, well, not the last play of the game, but of the determining play of the game where the Scarlet Knights stopped Purdue Boilermakers on a two-point conversion and uh, were able to secure a 14-12 to win, so uh, this is a... Uh, a very positive uh, week right now for Rutgers fans, and uh, pretty excited to be able to get out there, get out here, and, and, and get a show and, and chat some Rutgers football. Because, uh, as you know, it's not always been, or it's been a long time since uh, fans can uh, literally uh, sit back and kind of enjoy a week. Um, obviously, a, a, a tough task at hand with the Michigan Wolverines uh, up next, but. Uh, Rutgers definitely has to enjoy the fact that it's won two straight Big Ten games. Uh, and, and in terms of the progress and the rebuild, as, as it's been called, uh, there's no doubt that learning how to win the game this week and the game last week against Illinois are a big part of the process. And, and this is uh, uh, an exciting time, I would think, for uh, Coach Ash. Uh, and sometimes things do fall in your way. Uh, on top of this two wins, uh, it was the news of uh, the upcoming game against Maryland, which was scheduled to be at Yankee Stadium, uh, was moved back to Rutgers Stadium because of the uh, uh, Yankees' uh, postseason run. Uh, and I think I probably speak for a lot of fans. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm a New York guy. I have no problem going out to the city I've seen Rutgers at Yankee Stadium, but I want to go to see Rutgers at Rutgers uh, at High Point Solutions Stadium. I want to tailgate. I want to drive to the field 25, 30 minutes away from my house and just enjoy a college atmosphere. And uh, it's, in fact, I think uh, it's been underscored what the difference of moving that game home is 
going to do in terms of, of just the crowd factor. I just feel it, it was not a game that many fans were excited about. Uh, I, I, I know even in my own household, I probably was going to turn, uh, you know, four seats into two. And, and I think many were not going to be able to make the trip or just not going to. And it's not that they're bad fans. It's just, uh, you know, it's not easy uh, to get out there. And it's just, uh, I think, going to make a huge difference. So now Rutgers has an opportunity to to have a home field advantage, a real home field advantage, um, in two weeks and against a team that is, again, like the uh, Nebraska, like Illinois, like Purdue, teams that are, are potentially beatable. So uh, a potentially uh, good time for Rutgers right now. Uh, now they need to not treat or not end up in a situation where uh, they have another very ugly outing against Michigan um, as people are definitely uh, will use that as, as, as to, uh, a point that things are not really, you know, where they, what we think we are in terms of the improvement. So can't go out and lay an egg in Ann Arbor and lose 50, nothing. Um, but, uh, it, it, you know, obviously Michigan is a team that's been struggling a lot on offense. The, the opportunities are there. Uh, but without further ado, I wanna, I'm, I'm excited to have an opportunity to chat with Bobby Darren of ScarletNation.com. Uh, I've had him on the show several times. And, uh, again, this year we're doing a lot more of these quick, uh, small shows, just get an opportunity to chat and get it out there and uh, uh, an opportunity to talk to someone around the team uh, to get a feel for or the – what the team is feeling and also provide some unique perspectives as uh, I know there are lots of lots of thoughts around the offense uh, in particular in the way coach Ash uh, coached the game. So without further ado, uh, Bobby, I want to welcome you to the show. Hey, thanks, Jared. Thanks for having me. Hey, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, uh, you know, like I said, <laughs> we are, you know, those are Rutgers fans and uh, it's, it's been some time since you get a little bit of good feeling. Uh, you know, I think most people felt good after the Washington game and how the team played. Uh, but at the end of the day, it still was a loss. And, you know, there's been talk about, uh, you know, ugly wins or and, uh, better than playing good in losses. And I think this is definitely a case where putting together a two-game winning streak where it wasn't the prettiest, but, uh, you know, potentially the team is learning how to win these type of games. Yeah, and, you know, I think that's the most important factor. You have a team here that, that you know, it's it's been accustomed to losing the last few years, the last couple of years, I should say. So, you know, however you get it really doesn't matter. And sometimes I think those gritty wins, they might not be pretty, but they build a lot of character and they show a lot of toughness. And um, bottom line is it really doesn't matter how you get to that, that final score. As long as you get that win, that's all that really matters. And there were some good things in there. Um, but I think the offense isn't at a point where it's capable of lighting up the scoreboard. So the coaching staff is going to kind of have to do what it must when it's game planning to try and get that win Uh, because it is pretty much of a handicap, as you've seen on offense, you know, not much going on in the passing game. So it really limits what an offense can do. Now, of course, um, those don't know uh, Bobby's again, ScarletNation.com, the the rivals network, uh, uh, you know, I spent some time reading, going on the boards, and, and particularly listening, reading to the things you have to say. And, you know, you can, you know, definitely uh, give me a better feel of, of, of what you're, you were saying some while following up on Coach Ash's uh, 
press conference this past week, but uh, you know, it seemed like you know you were at a camp and and many others that uh, you know as tough as it was what Rutgers was doing, where it seemed like they were just playing you know to go you know one two three and out and punt. And by the way, we definitely have to talk about that the punting and the special teams uh at the end of the game it, it almost seemed like the best strategy rather than you know put the ball up in the air intercept the uh, throw an interception or a turnover and, and lose yeah I, I think that's precisely what you know maybe not exactly how they were trying to draw it up but um you, you also have to keep in mind that by running the ball on the ground getting a first down here or there and then having to punt still eats up some clock so by the fourth quarter you don't want that defense to be tired. I mean, you saw how the defense could get gassed in the opening game against Washington. Um, you know, the same thing happened against Nebraska. When that defense is on the field too much, it, it just doesn't have the depth to, to be out there that many minutes. And then you can't really blame them because the defense has played well enough to win in some games. And, you know, the offense just has to start eating up some clock and, and giving those guys a break. And I think that's a problem they're going to run into this week against Michigan even if the offense or if the defense plays well, how much, how long can they sustain that? You know, can the offense at least eat up some clock and, and use Ryan Anderson as a punter to to kind of win the field position game? But you know, if they can't keep their defense off the field, they're going to get tired sooner or later, and that's going to amount to some scores for the opposition. You know, just it definitely had a step back and talk a little bit about the special teams. I mean, Ryan Anderson has been fantastic. Uh, it's just, you know, turning the field and not only in terms of the distance of his punts, but placing them where they're not returnable. And, and you know, many times, you know, they always talk about a punting is the net in the net and, uh, you know, just gaining 50 yards of field position. And like you said, you know, obviously we, we cared about the one, two, three and, and out, but, you know, if you pick up a first down, uh, it, it eats up clock. And, and it not only starts with that, with, with the kickoff coverage and you, instead of starting your, the opponent team starting at the 40 to start at the 25. And it just makes a huge difference in terms of uh, field position for a team that really wants to play, you know, hang its hat on, on defense. Yeah, and that special teams has been a significant upgrade from a year ago. Uh, even Justin Davidovich, you mentioned on the kickoff, you know, quite a few touchbacks this year, you know, double digits already, well into them, actually. And, um, you know, it, it just helps so much. It, 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 it negates a, a chance for a big play on the other team, and it, it helps with the field position. And, and even Ryan Anderson's final punt, which only went 21 yards, but he did a great job of altering that kick so it wasn't blocked which had a very good chance of being like that. If he doesn't punt to the side, that kick is blocked, and who knows what happens from there. So, um, you know, he really played a great game, and, and, you know, that 21-yard punt might have affected his numbers a little bit, but that's the case where, you know, not every stat, you know, is telling of how the game unfolded. And you look at the stat sheet, and Purdue had doubled the amount of yards as Rutgers, but Rutgers held when they needed to. They didn't make any mistakes. They, they had great numbers on third down uh, defensively. So uh, they did what they needed to, and I think that's the most encouraging sign. Uh, in the past, you would find them faltering in situations where they came up and made plays and, and kept Purdue at arm's length. And even though Purdue outgained them, uh, watching the game at the stadium, I never really felt that Rutgers wasn't going to win that game. I felt like they were in control. And, you know, despite some mistakes from Purdue, Rutgers made the plays that they needed to. Uh, Damon Hayes' interception was, you know, beautiful uh, play on his part. Um, so plays like that, you have to credit the players and, and credit the coaching staff for coming up with a game plan 
that really fit what they were capable of doing. Um, if they would have tried to air it out all game, it, it probably wouldn't have gone as successfully. So, um, you know, I asked Jerry Till about Geo on Monday, and he said, you know, he's 2-0 and as a starter. That's the best way you can put it. Um, you know, he won both games. That's all they asked him to do, and that makes him a successful starting quarterback. Uh, definitely, and I, I, I really like the, the the point that you're making there with, uh, uh, you know, what Rashino kind of I think brings is, you know, out of the three quarterbacks is a little bit of the the mobility. Um, which is the closest to what Rutgers wants to do with their offense uh, and, and the ability to get out in the pocket. Uh, you know, the passing is just not there right now, unfortunately. And he, he, the injury, similar to last year, he is making him not, you know, be 100% in effectiveness. But, um, you know, no doubt there's going to be a lot of – it's a much – tougher task with, with what's coming ahead. So um, I think, you know, there should be no illusions as far as the game coming up. But, um, you know, one of the things the guys talked about, uh, or you know, in terms of the coaching staff about how last year, you know, they're not looking at last year. They're not talking about last year. Uh, and I think that's a great point. I think it's uh, one of the uh, sorest points of, us, uh, of, of Rutgers fans and, and those around. Um, but we – as, you know, as fans and, and, and you in the media, you, you do have to talk a little bit about last year. And, and I, you know, I kind of want to ask you as someone around the program, um, you know, we look at recruiting and, and, and obviously Rutgers was able to have a decent class last year. It's, it's another decent class again this year, but still, if you look at the top 15, they're not pulling in the top New Jersey players. And, and let's be, you know, I guess, give me your feeling, like how much did that game last year loss, you know, hurt? I mean, the score of it, I should say, you know, people lose 40, 50, you know, but 78, nothing with so many top recruits in plan in, in attendance, uh, you know, did it set them back maybe another year in recruiting in the state? Yeah. I, I don't know if it was a whole year, I would say, but it definitely hurt. I mean, you know, even people who don't watch the game, they'll see that score on the ticker, and, and when you see 78 nothing, you, you can't help but say, wow. So um, I, I think it might have hurt perception-wise, but Chris Ash was selling a vision of a rebuild, and, and with the guys who committed before the season last year, he kind of, you know, told them, hey, be prepared for a rough year. The guys like Michael Clark stuck it out, stuck it out. Bo uh, Melton, excuse me, stuck it out. Um, Tyshawn Fox stuck, stuck it out. They, these guys, you know, he sold them on that vision. Now, in year two, you can't really get away with it as much, but I don't think it'll be a repeat. But um, And it was a different team last year. You know, you had Zach Allen playing quarterback for the majority of that game, and he was basically just running for his life. There wasn't many playmakers on offense. To, you know, the offensive line wasn't – you know, they had a, a bad game. I think it's an upgrade this year. Um, and it, it was just – you know, I've never seen a game where literally every position player was beaten you know, consistently throughout the game. But, you know, Michigan had one of the best teams in the country last year, and, and Rutgers was a really down year. The cupboard was left there um, by Kyle Flood when Chris S. stepped in. So um, that that was probably as rough as, as you'll see it get. But I, I think they, they're starting to turn a quarter. and you're, you're starting to turn a corner, excuse me, but you're seeing how, you know, difficult it is to do a rebuild of this kind. Um, you know, it's not like in basketball where you can get two or three players. You know, you have 11 players on offense, 11 players on defense. And as you've seen this year, you also need some depth. Look at the Rutgers secondary. You know, three of their top four um, players were, have been out the last few weeks. You know, Kai Hester slowly working his way back in. 
but but he's been hobbled too. So you're playing with second string guys. Uh, guy Zane Campbell playing, you know, was a walk on that, that started his football career at Division Three Wesley. Now you're not going to find many players on Michigan's team that had that same career path. So um, I, I think what you're seeing is still the early stages, but there's definite signs of improvement from a year ago. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think you know, falling back into looking at the at the. Uh, Purdue game that it, it was pretty impressive that considering Purdue uh, obviously with Coach Brom in the passing game you know it, it just seemed like a bad matchup for Rutgers going into this and and uh, you know it's, it's kudos to the coaching staff for for playing this you know a little bit of a bend on break and uh, you know they they just really played a, a well coached game a well a, a fun fundamentally sound game on defense and very impressive when you consider. Uh, the injuries that they had, especially in, in the secondary. Yeah, and, and you know, and like I said before, they had to really work with what they have, and they've done a great job of that because, uh, you know, like I mentioned, guys like Zane Campbell, K.J. Gray coming in there, you know, K.J., not the same, um, you know, situation, but definitely not a lot of experience in there as a starter. Jay Harris is a guy who was playing wide receiver, so um, to have those guys come in and still be able to put together a good defensive performance says a lot about the coaching staff. I think one guy who really deserves a lot of credit is uh, Jay Neiman. His name kind of isn't mentioned as much as Jerry Kill or Chris Ash, obviously, but he's done a heck of a job with that defense considering what he has to work with. Yes, it, definitely. And, and, you know, they also you know, came up with the interceptions when they needed and, and plays like that. Uh, you know, when you're opportunity to to do it, it's it's uh, taking advantage of what the the team gives you in in terms of uh, turnovers. So, uh, you know, again, a good win, uh, two in a row. It's kind of exciting. Um, you know, to feel good. You look at their overall record in, in the conference, two and two. Uh, you know, in in still probably the toughest division. You know, or you know, basically one of the two toughest divisions there is in college football. Uh, you know, but you know there are still some tough games again with Michigan and, and Penn State. We do have to talk about going forward in the offense. That's obviously a big topic of, of discussion, uh, and a lot of it is you know been based around uh, the wide receivers. Um, there was a uh, you guys had a, a great piece um, that uh, Richie Schneider I put together with the offensive snaps um, and and just some good focus on the wide receivers and and, and it was kind of interesting to see. Mo Javi getting the most number of, or the second most, well, I think overall the total most snaps at wide receiver. And um, so I guess for, for someone that's around the program, I think, uh, you know, want to get your, your reading on, on, you know, what is the makeup of, of you know, who's playing and, and why. Um, you know, one thing I do have to say, I, you know, from sitting where I was sitting, there was a couple of plays where I saw, well, clearly Javi's a good blocker. Uh, or maybe a better blocker of the bunch, but uh, you know there was a play where uh, they were coming in with a multi-receiver set. I, I you know quickly saw Jabby line up in the right spot. Uh, it, it was Wormley going across to the other side, and and I first thing see him waving him over. Uh, you know, so it, you know there's so many things that go into into playing time. Uh, whether you can block, whether you know the plays, and when you're dealing with young players, um, you know how much of that comes into play. I guess with with the game player. Yeah, and, you know, some of that uh, freshmen are still learning. But, um, I, you know, I was surprised that Mojave got as many snaps, but he was in there uh, primarily for blocking. Um, 
you know, the game plan, as we said, it really wasn't built around passing. And, uh, you know, I've heard some people, you know, criticize the receivers in, in the receiving game, but they're really not targeted during the game. I mean, Janarian Grant had two passes thrown his way. Uh, Ed Wormley had one, and there was one thrown Mojabi's way. Other than that, those guys weren't, uh, you know, a factor. But not only weren't they a factor, they weren't meant to be a factor because, uh, you know, in a lot of the pass plays you saw uh, the running backs were the targets, you know, um, Jerome Washington was targeted seven times. He's a big part of the offensive tight end. So they're not really trying to utilize these guys in the passing game. And as you saw against Purdue, they, they just wanted to exploit the, um, the Purdue's run defense, so they, they were constantly rushing the ball. Now, Purdue sensed that, and which is why they were stacking the box and made it very difficult to run. So I think moving forward, the, the offense is really going to have to be more multidimensional and start throwing some passes just to keep the defense honest because you saw that, that other than um, Gus Edwards' 74-yard run and Robert Martin's 16-yard run, the, the running back combined averaged 2.1 yards per carry. So that's not going to get it done over the course of the game. So, um, you know, next week will be interested to see, uh, you know, how the, the, the snaps play out again. We're going to continue to do that feature through the rest of the season as well. Um, I think it gives you an interesting take on those plays when you might not pay attention to who's who's on the field or what's going on. But in doing so, we kind of noticed how much those guys were just, you know, blockers at the wide receiver position. And, um, you know, as I said, when, when the schedule starts to open up against different teams, they're going to have to throw the ball. So it'll be interesting to see how they use these guys. And I also thought it was interting that the pass that Mojabi was targeted on was a uh, it was just a straight fly route and you know it was let me beat you with my speed which you know you have a guy like Bo Melton even Dakovan Bailey you know are a little bit faster than Mojabi nothing against him but they might have se- seemed like you know more prototypical guys to put in that situation where they might just burn a guy downfield so um I, you know I think the fans are excited to see more of the passing game as well and you know let's be honest Geo was not a hundred percent last week I, I remember watching him in practice last week and rolling out even in planting and trying to throw, he was having difficulty on that knee. So um, I, I think as he starts to heal up, maybe they'll implement a little bit more passing, you know, as, as he's able to throw a little bit better too. So in terms of um, injuries, uh, I guess, you know, two questions. Uh, you know, it, it still seems where Grant is not 100%. Um, you know, there was a the kickoff return where he had, and it kind of looked like he finally got some space. Uh, and, and then as he was tackled, it just felt, you know, the way his body language was when, as he got up, I, I just, you know, kind of felt like he even felt like, oh, you know, like that, that, you know, that could have been gone. Like, you know, uh, two years ago, he would have got through that and, and it just felt that and, and um, you, you know, just does not feel a hundred percent. So I, I don't know whether he's playing more of a decoy role um, and then the other question, um, obviously a lot of people have questions on is Amir Mitchell, who had so much hype going into the season, um, and we got to see him. And, um, you know, does he, if he does not play at all this year, does he have an opportunity to come back another year? No, right? Well, um, you know, that that's all going to be handled by the coaching staff and, and how they see fit moving forward. But has not been practicing, has not been part of the game plan, and it's not injury-related. I mean, obviously he was out with the injury, but, you know, you're not seeing him not on the – you're not seeing him, 
not out there on the practice field because of the knee, because he's been working that knee back on the practice field. Um, and he's making great progress, but it's other issues off the field. Um, and as far as I've, I've been told, it's not academic. So, um, you know, that, that's kind of explains itself there. Will he be back? You know, only Chris Ash can answer that because uh, he's the one that ultimately decides, uh, you know, how to discipline players and, and, and what, you know, the future is for Amir Mitchell. I know he's he's very close with Damon Mitchell, recruited him out of um, high school, and, you know, Amir is an obvious talent, but, you know, let's be honest, he was let go from Michigan, and there wasn't really much talked about there, but, you know, no coach is really in a habit of just letting a four-star player with that kind of talent walk. So there was smoke when he came in, you know. Um, anyway, um, the other question, uh, Jenarian Grant, he's been getting better, you know, and I don't think that staff was really decoying him. They had planned to use him um, fully. Uh, he was he would have actually played the most snaps if he had not get uh, if he had not gotten hurt. Um, he was out there almost the whole time. They just really weren't targeting him, and. Um, you know, unfortunately, it looked like that, you know, that ankle issue, uh, something happened there again. And, um, you know, Chris Ash said he expects him back. But, you know, the way the last two years have gone with Tenaria, you know, it's still a question mark. And if he does come back, how healthy is he going to be this week? So that's one where it really is, you know, week to week, so to speak. But um, you kind of feel bad for him because, you know, freak injury in that uh, Iowa game last year, a kid comes back and, you know, still can't shake that injury bug. So, um you know, he's still a dangerous weapon, so I think it'll be important to get him back, not necessarily so much for this week, but against Maryland and Indiana, because those are two big games. Uh, definitely. I mean, um, you know, while you know, we, talk, we talked about Maryland, um, you know, obviously both Maryland and Indiana had good opening games where, um, you know, you look like, oh, this is going to be real trouble in terms of finding a win, um, and uh, you know, obviously Maryland with the win over Texas, but they, you know, they just really haven't. Obviously, Texas is not Texas, and they just really have not looked good of late. Um, and and Indiana, you know, playing well and you know, really, you know, giving Ohio State a game. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, they're they're zero and four in the conference and, and to play. So, uh, you know, still winnable type games you know, at this point. Um, so, you know, obviously we talked about the wide receivers. Uh, and and uh, are there any other injuries that took place in the last game um, that are, you know, something that, that fans need to uh, look out for this week? Uh, you know, I asked Chris Ash about that. And even though he doesn't like to talk about injuries, I still have to kind of ask. I asked him, you know, what uh, the reason was that Kamal Seymour came out of the game at right tackle. And he said he had a, a little injury and wouldn't comment on any further. But it wouldn't surprise me if you saw Zach Heeman out there in place of him at right tackle on Saturday against Michigan. And, other than and that, Jonah Jackson is still out, right? Yeah, he's still out. He'll probably be out another couple weeks. Um but, uh, you know, the, the same ones, uh, Kai Hester's healing up with that quad uh, injury. And as you know, strain of quad, it, it just takes time to heal, and, and there's really nothing you can do for it to speed up that recovery. It's just a matter of time. But he worked in last week, and I, I expect him to see more action this week. And he should be healthy the way the trajectory is going for him. Unless he has a, a bump in the road, he should be okay for those Maryland and and Indiana games, um, you know, Saquon Hampton's not going to be back, uh, obviously. And uh, the other injuries, I mean, you have some bumps and bruises, but that's normal at this time of year for any team. So um, uh, that, that's pretty much the gist of the injury issues. And what about, um, you know, obviously, status uh, of Jonathan Lewis? Uh, 
uh, you know, I know he's banged up from the Ohio State game. Uh, is he back to being healthy? Um, do you ex- to see a package at some point? I mean, I, I would expect to see him to play again, uh, regardless of, of uh, you know, the team winning and, and Rashino, you know, holding down the, the position. Yeah, you know, in, in talking to you about the injuries, it's the one guy that, that, that kind of slipped my mind. Um, you know, he was available last week only for emergency purposes. Um, his things again, it's an ankle that's, you know, week to week. And um, well, when, when that ankle's finally healthy, I, I think, yes, you'll definitely see him, regardless of who your starter is. Um, I mean, obviously, it's Geo moving forward, but even if something were to happen and Bowen would go in, I, I still think there will be a place for Jonathan as long as that ankle heals up. But you know, things like that can be funny. They can linger for a while. It doesn't necessarily need to be a break or anything that serious to just be nagging over the course of time. And, you know, his game relies a lot upon his uh, – relies upon him running the football. So if he can't run the football, um, they're not going to put him in there. So I, I think that's one – it's just we have to wait and see, and, and, and you know, time will heal. Um, I, I wouldn't expect him to miss the rest of the season. I think they'll still work him in, but it's all a matter of when that ankle heals up. Well, Bobby, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, you know, it, it is interesting, and, and I and, and I and I think um, you know fans are probably it's nice to get the wins. Um, you know, it's always you know when you talk with about a team playing well and a loss, it's not the same. And you know, to get some wins, you know, it's to get the players, you know, to, to, they work so hard and, and to see some results, it's good. Uh, you know, we've been chatting for over a half hour, and it's kind of weird because we're not actually talking much about the game coming up next week. Um, but, you know, I, but yeah, I guess, you know, give me your thoughts on the game itself. I mean, uh, Michigan or how you kind of see it playing out. I, you know, the offense is obviously a problem. Michigan still got a, a great defense. Uh, you know, yes, their offense is struggling. So, you know, perhaps there's some hope uh, that it gets into, a, you know, the score doesn't look as ugly as as it, as it may be. But, uh, you know, at the end of the team, at the end of the day, this is still a good team. Um, but, you know, one thing I think, uh, uh, you know, in terms of what we talked about, the special teams, um, you know, just a big difference there. Uh, I think it was part, another part was probably one of the worst coaching jobs uh, in terms of, of, I don't know whether it was Merringer exactly calling the plays, but, but uh, they, you know, early on in the game, Rutgers were still trying to hurry up the game, and uh, you're just not going to see any of that. You know, they're going to snap the ball with two, three seconds on the clock and then just try to, you know, hope that, you know, at the end of the day, if, 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 if Michigan's offense is struggling and it's 7 nothing or 14 to 3, and, you know, maybe they get frustrated themselves and don't play to the best uh, of, of their ability. So, uh, you know, I don't know. What, what, what's your thoughts on, on the game coming up this week? Well, I think, you know, you're not going to see a 78 to nothing game. I, I think the Rutgers defense is going to be able to play well and keep them in it for a little bit. But, you know, you're facing the number five defense in the, in the country. And, you know, Rutgers had trouble moving the ball against Purdue. So going up against a defense that's exponentially better than Purdue's, you, you're going to have a tough time you know, generating some offense. So I, I think Jerry Kill is going to have to be creative with his playbook and, and open things up a little bit, not necessarily chucking the ball downfield, but let's be creative and, and create a, a mismatch somewhere and, and get somebody the ball in space, let them make a play happen. Um, I think that's going to be necessary in order just to keep the defense off the field because even if the Rutgers defense plays well for the first half and it's a 10 nothing game, you know, they get gassed by the third and fourth quarter, boom, four touchdowns, it looks like a blowout. Um, and it's really not indicative of how the defense might have played earlier. So I, I think 
for this game to remain close, they're going to have to get some first downs. They're going to have to eat up some clock, and I don't think it's going to come with Gus Edwards running up the middle or, or off tackle. or You know, it, there's going to need to be some creativity with the play calling because if you're simply playing smash-mouth football against this team, you're going to lose every time with the personnel that Rutgers has. So I, I really think that that creativity is going to be the difference in Rutgers being able to keep the game close. Jerry Kill is going to have to reach into his bag of tricks and get some guys in some space where, where they can make a play or two and, and, like I said, create a mismatch. Otherwise, it's going to be a really long day for Rutgers. Well, I appreciate again you coming on. Uh, thanks. Uh, you know, you really have a great insight into the team, and uh, it was a good, you know, opportunity to chat and get your thoughts. So, um, you know, it's hopefully, uh, as we say, you know, it's not the kind of game that it's not going to be, uh, you know, terrible in terms of, of, of uh, derailing the progress that they've had. Uh, and then, you know, looking forward to uh, watching them against uh, Maryland in two weeks. Definitely, definitely. I think there's a lot of good things to come. And uh, thanks for having me again, Jeff. Thanks, Lila. All right. So, wrapping up a, another edition of the Our Big Show. Uh, again, I appreciate uh, uh, those listeners. Check me out now on iTunes. Are uh, you fan, Jerry? But it's uh, Our Big Show. Um, and uh, if you have an opportunity to rate the show so it gets bumped up. And uh, we'll continue possibly try to get another one in here. Uh, it's, you know, again, a lot of people want to talk Rutgers and it's a great opportunity to talk Rutgers when, uh, you know, things are, are going well. Uh, but, uh, you know, some optimism. Um, again, hopefully this game stays uh, respectable. I mean, I, I think Bobby brought a good point there. You know, the score is 10 nothing. Uh, you give up four touchdowns, it's 38 uh but you know, look at the end of the day, if it's thirty-eight to three, thirty-eight to seven. You know, it's it's, it's still visibly something where you can say, hey, you know, it's it's you know halfway better than last year, and uh, you know the team will be three and five heading into a winning potentially situation uh, where they have an opportunity to win the following week. So, uh, you know, again, I think most people would have signed, would have agreed that four and eight was what the goal, you know, or I shouldn't say the goal is what the expectation would be here. Um, you know, going five and seven would have been the best case scenario. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's, it's not still far off of that at this point. So again, appreciate everybody coming on. We'll uh, talk again in the future. This is Are Your Fan, Jerry. Thanks.